0: This is the Reading Instruction Show. I am your host, as always, Dr. Andy Johnson. Title of today's podcast, Problem Solving and Total Literacy Experiences. Now, as a teacher, you always want to experiment with new ideas in your classroom. This podcast describes an activity I've never tried before, and it could be really cool. I'm going to try it today, or it could end up be really Lame. I'll let you know how it goes. We're going to do what's called a total literacy experience activity in my class. And this is something that you can do with modification at all levels. It's called a total literacy experience because here students will be reading, thinking, talking, listening, and writing. These are the five components of literacy. Now, I want you to know, literacy doesn't always happen in reading class. Literacy can happen anywhere. So this is an activity that you can use in any of your curriculum areas. Now, a little bit up front, as a professor, I've always felt I was more effective in my college classroom when I approached it as Mr. J, the second grade teacher, rather than as Dr. Johnson, the professor. But, the job of a professor is similar in many ways to my job as a second grade teacher. For one thing, I have to explain a lot of stuff to other humans who have a little stuff in their head. And sometimes, these humans are interested and want the stuff that I want to put in their heads. Please put this stuff in, they say. Other times the humans aren't at all interested. I got to put this stuff in my head, they say, because it will be on the exam. I'll do it, but I won't be very happy about it. And still other times, they aren't at all interested, and they don't care. I don't care if this stuff gets in my head or not, they say. I think it's stupid, and right now I'm thinking of other stuff. I'll do some last-minute studying in hopes that I have just enough stuff to pass his very easy-peasy exams, they say. So let's define the problem. I'm going to explain a situation that occurred recently when I was playing my role as professor. This situation is one in which all K-12 teachers find themselves in at some point. They all encounter this. And you'd be lying if you said it wasn't so. And I'm going to use a form of cognitive modeling or think-aloud protocols in this podcast. And I'm sharing a cognitive process called the five-step problem-solving method. And this is a method that can be applied to all problems, both in the classroom and out, both related to your teaching and other things. It also makes a pretty nifty post-reading activity if you're using problem-based learning. Here, the teacher finds a problem within the story, and students use the process to find a solution. Now, if you're using this to deal with an issue in your class, know that the problems and the products or answers will differ, but the five-step problem-solving process will be the same. In other words, the principles and ideas I'm describing here can be applied to all classrooms at all levels. So let's take a look at the problem. The first problem. The other day I was explaining stuff when I realized the students in my undergraduate methods class just weren't that into it. This was the first problem. They weren't hanging on my every word. And they weren't jotting down all the very important things I was trying to explain to them. And I could tell from their body language that the information was not life-changing. The second problem, the classroom decorum had gotten a little lax. People were talking over each other during discussions. When I tried to move from an activity back to a lecture mode, people kept talking And students seem to put minimal effort in small group activities. And don't get me going on large group discussions, they were a struggle. The third problem was the exam. The results from my last online exam were not good. Now I give my students a three or four day window in which they can take an online exam. In this exam, 30 questions are randomly generated from a test bank of about 150. And students can take the exam three times over a three- or four-day window. Their highest score is recorded. And I think to myself, my God, I've become a fluff professor. Well, let's look at reflecting. After class, I was reflectorating, as I usually do. And it really bothers me when a class doesn't go just the way I want it to. After 27 years in higher education, I still have to put a lot of time into preparing for class. And I knew in this situation that I had to get things back on track, which meant problem solving. Now, Howard Gardner defines intelligence as the ability to solve problems. Could I be intelligent in this context and solve the problem? So, reflection. A reflective teacher is an effective teacher a reflective teacher always asks him or herself, why? Why did this class go or not go the way I had planned? For me, it could have been that the stuff I was trying to explain just simply was not that interesting. Or maybe my delivery wasn't good. It could have been that the material was unfamiliar, thus making it difficult to connect with other information. I wasn't making that connection for them or perhaps they didn't see how this stuff would apply in any way to the real-life classrooms in the future. Now, in my classrooms, I've stressed the importance of building community in the classroom. I have, and I have to ask myself, have I built too much community? I've also talked about the importance of building relationships with my students and creating a safe environment. And I thought to myself, is there too much relationship within this classroom? Is my environment too safe? Do I need to make things more stressful? Now, right now as I'm writing this, I'm sitting in my pajamas writing this podcast and chapter. Hopefully, it will be a chapter. It's 5.30 in the morning, and it feels like my class is looking right over my shoulder. And that's because they will either read this chapter or listen to it on a podcast, or both. Now, in the writing world, we call this a sense of audience. And I have a very powerful sense of audience. And I have to say it's a bit nerve-wracking, but at the same time, it really helps me write. And right now, I'm going to switch pronouns. Right now, I'm writing directly to my class using first-person pronouns. And let me say, I like you. Not like, like, but like. I'm getting to know you in our weekly discussion posts. I catch bits of discussion and small group activities, and I listen to the conversations that take place before class. Sorry, but I do. And I like engaging with you before class. On Monday, one guy seemed to have watched all the football games on Sunday. That's incredible. That's impressive. You're funny, bright, wonderful students. And I'm not just saying that to butter you up. I don't need to butter you up. Also, I can see your teaching selves beginning to emerge, and that's exciting. Emergent teaching is just like emergent literacy. So, problem solving. Now, a good teacher doesn't blame the students or external circumstances if things don't go just right. A good teacher reflects after each lesson. A good teacher always asks, what can I do differently next time? And there are always things that can be done differently. So after reflecting after this class on Monday, I went into problem-solving mode using the five-step problem-solving process. And here are the steps. Step one, define the problem. That's the first step to define the problem. And I described three problems just now. One, a lack of engagement with the lecture material. B, loose classroom decorum. And C, poor exam results. And if I had to put it into one problem, it would be a lack of serious engagement with class content, both in and out of class. Now, I could be wrong on this definition, but that's how I see it. Step two is to generate ideas. That's the second step in good problem solving. Generate solutions or ideas. Now, here are some ideas that I came up with. Number one, blame the students. It's common for professors to blame students when their classes don't work. Sometimes teachers do this. They say things like, students are disrespectful. Students are lazy. They're unmotivated. Students aren't prepared. Students don't want to learn. They aren't doing the right stuff in high school to get them ready. Now, I know you shouldn't evaluate ideas during step two, the idea generation phase, but blaming students is a really bad idea for three reasons. First, it takes away any responsibility from the teacher. Second, it removes the impetus to do something differently. And third, we shouldn't view our students through a deficit lens. All students want to learn. It's a natural state of being human. But sometimes things get in the way. And it's our job to figure out what that is. The second idea was to deliver the content in a different way content delivery. Now, I could focus on alternative delivery methods. Some ideas I thought about was to try to be more engaging in in my delivery. Maybe more joke breaks or fewer joke breaks. Maybe include more activities, flipped learning, online lectures students learn and present projects, students learning contracts, student learning contracts, podcasts with classroom activities, YouTube with classroom activities. Idea three was to be a hard ass. I could play the I'm the professor card. Now, 20 years ago, this is exactly what I would have done. I would have taken this approach. And if I did, I'd remind students of tests and points all the time and I'd do more lecturing then base a large portion of the exams on my lectures and I'd start having lots of graded assignments and I'd dock points if students' projects didn't match up exactly with my rubric. Now this is just as dumb an idea as number one and it often happens because here I'd be using my power to manipulate and control students. And that's not teaching. This is totally against my philosophy as a student-centered holistic educator. Managing through power and control is what authoritarian regimes do. I don't want to create a points economy where I am the all-powerful Oz doling out and docking points. That's not the kind of classroom I want. Now, I am not a naive little Bambi Deer. In the upper grades and in higher education, there's always going to be some of this, and that's not a bad thing. But it should never be the main thing, and it should never, ever be used as a behavior management approach at any level. And yes, we want to have order in our classrooms, But there's a continuum in any classroom with chaos on one side and control on the other. No one likes either of those. But in the middle, there's a sliding structure that always moves a little more towards one end of the continuum or the other based on students and situations. Number four, I could attend to learning styles. Now, when people refer to learning styles, they often think of visual, audio, or kinesthetic learners. However, this is a silly folk legend not supported by researchers. Research. All learners learn better when things are multimodal. That is, when they can engage as many senses as possible. We want all students to see the input, hear the input, and do something with the input. That's multi-sensory learning. And it's not that complicated. There are no secret multimodal strategies or methods that you have to be specially trained to use. Multi-sensory learning is always a good thing, but meta multisensory learning is even better. Here you involve the three elements I just described, but you also include social, emotional, creative, artistic, and literate elements as well. If you really want to be an effective teacher, create some meta-multi-century learning experiences. Now, learning styles refers to how you prefer to approach learning. It's the mode and environment you prefer to absorb, process, comprehend, and retain information. In other words, it's how you like to learn. And your learning styles could include one or more of the following. Listen to a podcast. Read Look at videos, study at night, study in the morning, study in groups, study in a quiet place, study in a place with people, study with music on, study with shooter ear guards on or other. How do you best like to learn? What's more effective for you? There is no common learning style. So step three is to evaluate the idea and get input. Once you have chosen an idea, evaluate it and get input. Now this is where I'm going to involve my students and I'm going to do this today. The first thing we uh, will do in class today is to ask students to read chapter six or listen to this podcast. Then they'll use writing to respond to some writing prompts. This is an example of the total literacy experience activity. And I'm hoping students might use the TLE in their future classrooms. Second, I'll ask students to put their ideas in the Dropbox. Third, students will meet in small group. And once each person in their group is finished reading and listening to each one, uh, put their individual responses in the Dropbox they can then move into their small group and they can go to another classroom or another space and their task will be to share their ideas and use writing to answer the same questions as a group. And I'll ask that somebody in the group put their answers in a group drop box. Then we'll come back to the large group and have a conversation. Step four is to test the idea. Try the idea and implement it. See how it works then reflect. And step five is to tweak. You tweak the idea and you try it again. And at this point, you can either implement the idea, reject the idea, or repeat steps two through five. Here are the prompts I'm going to use. One, describe your general reaction to the chapter. What were you thinking as you read it? What popped into your head? Two, do you see a problem? If so, how would you define the problem? And you won't hurt my feelings. It's okay if kindly old uh, Dr. Johnson needs to do things differently. All teachers need to do things differently at times. And step three, what ideas do you have for solving the problem? Step four, what is your learning style? How do you best like to learn? And step five, what's the lesson beyond the lesson that you might take for this? And like I said, this idea could be really cool or it could really stink. And that's the exciting part of teaching, trying new things. Now, here's some lessons beyond the lesson. No teacher is perfect. It's important to reflect and honestly look at your teaching after each lesson or class. Also, it's okay to get honest answers from students related to learning styles on occasion. I wouldn't ask them to evaluate things. How did my lesson go? What did you like? That's not appropriate. But it is okay to say, how do you like to learn? And it's okay to make changes based on student feedback. There is no perfect system. Also, authenticity and honesty goes both ways. It's okay to be honest with your students. They can handle it. Also, literacy doesn't always happen in a reading class. Authentic literacy activities gets students using reading and writing for authentic purposes, and the total literacy experience activity is one such authentic literacy activity. It can be used in a reading class as well as any other curriculum area. This has been the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson.